Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Joining me today is TJ. Mm-hmm. We have Chris mm-hmm. on the ones and twos. When I got myself a Brent. Oh, that means he's on the rooftop. <laughs> shake it like a nice Do we throw carrots out for Brent <laughs> last night? <laughs> we threw them in the garbage. <laughs> Brent will not enter your house if there's carrots in it. <laughs> it's like his garlic. <laughs> he has to be invited into a house with no carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Let the Brent one in. <laughs> good work, everybody. Okay. Good, good work. So this has been Tommy Talk. <laughs> we will accept the award. <laughs> so we're going to move to a new format where our podcast is released in like one minute snippets. <laughs> Seven a day, every day. Uh, yeah, on today's podcast we're talking about what we've been watching for the past week before going into the week's uh, film news and a segment we like to call Breezy on the Streets. But keep that crazy in your pants, because first we're talking watch lists. Anyone want to go first? I'll jump in. I watched a, a few movies, and uh, two of them are rewatches, so I don't have a lot to talk about. Uh, I watched The Incredibles, because I was upset. We went to see Incredibles 2, and it was sold out. For like six hours, right? Yeah. Like every showtime. Four for showings. Hours. Like We went at 4.30, and the earliest one you could buy tickets for was 9 o'clock. So, it was crazy. Came home and watched Incredibles. Fuck, that movie's so good. It is just so damn fun. Have you guys ever heard of a podcast called uh, Blank Check? It's with Griffin and David. Mm-mm. Griffin Newman and David Sims. David Sims is like a critic. Mm-hmm. Griffin Newman's like a uh, actor. He's in The Tick. He's Arthur. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, they do like a, go through a director's over <laughs> uh-huh. Like everything that they, they've done. Uh, it's just a really entertaining podcast. I'll, I'll plug that. But they went through in Incredibles. They're doing the entire filmography of Brad Bird right now. Yeah, and uh, it's entertaining. <laughs> I don't really know where I was going with that, but it's really yeah, good. It's interesting. If you're into uh, Incredibles and still can't see Incredibles two, I would recommend that one. They do a long discussion of that. Yeah, David Sims is uh, he is a critic who posts reviews on Letterboxd. Yep, <laughs> one of the few uh, voice work in Incredibles is. Some of the best in Pixar, I think, after yeah. probably Toy Story, the Toy Stories. But, uh, um, shit, Coach, what's his name? Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter, but Holly Hunter's so good. She's incredible. Yeah, she's, yeah they went through like their uh, top five Pixar voices. I think she's one of the best yeah. in Pixar yeah. as a lasting girl. That wonder, character's just so good, too. Yeah, I wonder if there's the, um, at what point do they bring on voice actors and like get their voice and then like redesign the character models because they just seem so perfect for the voice mm-hmm. like even Violet and uh, Jack Dash Dash Jack Jack's the baby right yeah. I gotta ask uh, you've also watched Wally recently yeah. what was you what's your favorite between the two fuck that's it's hard tough. Those, you are, get those, are like, those are like my top two. When you get into, for me, it's like Wally, The Incredibles, Toy Story 3, and like Monsters, Inc. It's just so hard. Yeah. So hard to start differentiating. They're all five-star movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pixar's got probably, I think all three Toy Stories, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Finding Dory was five stars for me. It's oh, got like really good. eight five-star movies. For now listen, was it the last podcast you guys were talking about your favorite Pixar movies? Yeah. 
I think I need to do another rewatch, but I think Inside Out might be in my top three. Inside Out, Inside Out's way up there. Really for me. good. People talk shit about Ratatouille, but Ratatouille's still a fantastic movie. Yep. Also, yeah. Brad Bird. Also, a really good episode of uh, Blank Check on that. The uh, Cars two and three were the ones that were kind of bad. Cars three was bad. Cars three is bad. Cars two is, I think, worse than Cars three. Good dinosaur is pretty forgettable. It was so see, pretty. It's very pretty, but that was about it. There's nothing. Did you ever see story. Monsters University? It's bad. Okay. And that's coming from somebody who's... Cassandra also thought it was bad. Monsters Inc. is her number one favorite before. Yeah. I think Monsters U is the only one I haven't seen other than Incredibles 2. We saw it. But uh, Finding Dory really had a... Have anybody seen Finding Dory? I have. It had a very uh, like inside-out feel to it for me. Like I thought it was very important in the way it dealt with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And kind of helping those people along but not living for them kind of yeah it was yeah. good inside out though the whole like sadness is so important you need sadness to get through things was yeah. just so well done the scene with bing bong too yeah yeah. I think his name is bing bong so sad Pixar's so good at eliciting that like emotional response yeah talk about with talk mm-hmm. fan movies it's um I mean fuck I bawled the first time I saw Toy Story 2 with the flashback with the cowgirl, John Cusack's character, she loved, she gets something left at the, yeah, and that country song's playing, it's just so fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, I can't watch the ending of Monsters, Inc. without, like, feeling like a baby boy. Like, when, he says, when they're saying goodbye to Boo. Yeah. And then, like, the end of Toy Story 3 is straight up a horror. It's fucking just There's that so moment where they all just scary. accept their impending death, and they, they're just, like, holding hands and whatnot. Dying, dying with their friends. Dying with their friends. Yeah, it's it is chilling. But then I teared up there too when he gave the toys away. Oh yeah, God, I was, it's yeah, just I definitely like, crowded that. Yeah, Pixar's really good. Turns <laughs> out, yeah, them Pixar's they're onto they're onto something. Them Pixar boys. So, <laughs> listeners, you can tell your friends about Pixar movies. You can tell them you heard about them on the Talk Talk podcast. <laughs> I heard it here first, <laughs> only because I want to. I do this every once in a while. Play a game. I just wanted to see <laughs> what <laughs> starts playing Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to do this really fast. <laughs> Take my pants off. Pull up, you porn. Sorry, guys. Give me a second. <laughs> I do this real fast. <laughs> <laughs> do this real fast. I do it all the time. Don't worry. My meter's at a hundred. Uh, so we've only got one announced Pixar movie right now. It's Toy Story Four next year. So Incredibles Two is only the only 2018 drop. I think we're going to get into some new properties after that. <clears throat> I can't imagine that they're going to... They I might haven't heard of any other sequels. Didn't they... Were they weren't, weren't they going to do one called Newt that got canceled or pushed? Not sure. Oh, uh, it was in the Coco um, slot, I think. Yeah. And it got pushed. That sounds familiar. Coco is another one that's really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> another one that made me cry. Yeah. Also, just cry more at movies now. <laughs> you stare at the... Yeah. Now, now that I don't have any, like, airs about, like, masculinity or what I'm supposed to do. Right. Just, like, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit uh, when I was by myself in the movie theater in D.C. But, you know, like, what is the point of being like, nope, 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 gonna keep it inside. Oh, just let it go, man. It feels so good, too. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Did I tell you early on, like, one of the first days I uh, went back to work after Harriet was born... I was like, 
I, I thought it would be funny to imbue it with a lot of emotion by doing the Coco song, Remember Me. Started singing it to Harriet, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> abort joke, abort joke. <laughs> this is not funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if somehow you haven't seen The Incredibles, <laughs> check out The Incredibles. It's really good. Um, what else you watch? So, Brent did his Lord of the Rings thing, which I piggybacked on and did it a week later, pretty much, where I just rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, and I'm doing it with The Hobbit now, because I only saw The Hobbit movies in theaters with my mother as they came out, and never saw them again. So I watched The Hobbit, the first one. Hmm. It's really good. It's worse than all three of the Lord of the Rings movies, but it is good. It is a good movie. I still have only seen the first one. Yeah. But I've only seen it in theaters. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's really good. Ian McKellen's fantastic. And I think I do realize while watching this that I liked the character of Gandalf the Grey better than the character of Gandalf the White. Hmm. The like, the kind of, the way he kind of like bubbles around and he's not this like all knowing, all powerful being when he's Gandalf the Grey. There's a really good scene in The Hobbit where he's in a council with Sauron and uh, Elrond and Kate Blanchett's Woodland Elf. Galadriel. Yeah. And it's real fun seeing Gandalf the Grey, who like everybody holds in such high regard, being in a room with those three people who mm-hmm. all are so much more powerful than him. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like seriously doubting himself and what he thinks is right. Um, but, yeah. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Some weird things in it, like intentional callbacks to people who saw Lord of the Rings so they could point and go, uh-huh, I remember. Right. That's Gimli's dad. Awesome. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But other than that, I get four stars on, on rewatch. Nice. And I'll, I'll probably finish those this week. When I went to the theater, though, to see Incredibles 2, we ended up seeing something else and I wrote a review and put it up on the site. Uh, we saw a tag. I don't see it. It was really funny. It was a damn good comedy. Does the premise wear thin, or do they keep it like a little fresh? They leave it at the forefront, which I think is the only way it could succeed. Yeah. They didn't try to like steer too far from the plot of, it's a yeah. game of tag right. that's lasted 30 years. Um, it's based on a real story. Yeah, you get uh, during credits, like home videos of them playing the real guys. Yeah. Which is real fun. You got some guy like at a Bulls game, and like some guys paid like hundreds of dollars to let the Chicago Bulls like let him be the mascot for a minute. So he just walks up beside the guy, and he's like cheering with him, but he takes off his head and slaps him on the shoulder and runs away. <laughs> it's like man, they go all out. But uh, Jeremy Renner's fantastic. Um, and I keep forgetting this guy's name because I've never watched New Girl. Jake Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I love him. He was. A clear second place behind Renner in this movie. He was really good as the stoner. His name is Chili. Nice. Yeah. Still think it's funny how through all the Avengers movies, Jeremy Renner's okay, and he breaks both of his arms in the movie Tag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to CGI his arms in Infinity Wars. Or is he in Infinity He's Wars? Not in it, no. Yeah. There's some Marvel movie he had. They had to CGI his working arms because of the movie Tag. Yeah, he does some like it's it's the scene where he's surfing down the stack of chairs. I guess it happens at some point. Uh, okay, and he just like he is like he jumps on it, and then they just stop falling, and he keeps going, and he broke his like arm, his left arm, and his right wrist. Ugh. 
And he said that the next scene they filmed was the donut flinging scene. He was like, that one was really painful. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it was a good cast. Go into it knowing what it is and you'll enjoy it. I'm confident in that. Cool. But that's it for me. Who's next? I've got a big chunk, so I don't need to go next, but... I'll go. I watched four movies this week. Uh, I've been on a rewatch kick, uh, so three of them are rewatches, but the one that is not was from a 2017 little movie called Baywatch. Baywatch. (laughs) That movie was completely generic in every way for me. I really disliked it. It was awful. TJ, you were not a fan of it either. I liked it better. I I gave it two stars, I think. Brent gave it one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is just... I thought it was... Although there was one joke, one decent joke that worked, and it was a recurring joke of the one that you had mentioned, which is like, Zac Efron's character seems to be the only one aware that they are lifeguards and should not be handling police matters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Continues to bring it up. But everything else is just unfunny and predictable and just boring. What did you think of all the fat guy gags? Isn't there the one character who's a fat guy who they just continuously make fun of? Not really. I mean, he's not really fat. The the guy who he's just not like chiseled. The one who winds up getting with the super hot blonde because because that's apparent from the first ten minutes of the movie. He's got a big dick. Yeah, they talk about that in the first scene. Hmm. He's got a huge dick. Yeah, big dick, really large dick. Gary Gergich. Yeah, <laughs> it's they're all jokes you've seen before. Better that you've just seen better done better before. Um, I rewatched Donnie Darko. My second watch of Donnie Darko. Can you explain something to me, then? Probably not. I was just going to say, explain the movie. Because <laughs> I don't fucking get it. Watch it three times, don't understand. I think it's enjoyable. I think it's a it's a fun movie to watch. I think it... I don't know. Doesn't... What? Nothing. <laughs> David kicked the table, so I gave him a dirty look. And then oh. he looked at me and went... Okay. <laughs> Well, you confirmed that I was, was I was really looking forward to your descent on Donnie Darko being fun to watch. I thought there was going to be a passionate descent there. I mean, I liked it back in the day. It's a real high school movie for me. It's not in high school. It was like, wow, it was a mind blower. Yeah. Great soundtrack on Donnie Darko. Really good. But great side characters, too. Yeah, that's what I like the best is the all the side characters in the town, like Patrick Swayze's character. Really interesting. So in that seriously, movie. doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yeah, that's a great, oh, line, that's a great line. Yeah. yeah, but but no, seriously, what happens? <laughs> it's a time loop, right? Yeah, that he has to do to save something or ensure something happens. But he dies. That's, that's he, part has of to, it. he has to die to break the loop. Yes. Why does he not die? Plane's gonna, the plane engine's going to keep crashing into the house or something. Mm-hmm. And his his mom and sister are aboard the plane. Yeah. And so it's to... It prevents the plane crash from happening in the future, but it takes him. That's my cursory knowledge from watching it like ten yeah. years ago. Now, if you ask the question, how? I don't know. No, wait, though. So, <laughs> if he doesn't... Something about he can emit a wormhole from his chest or something. It's weird. So, if the plane engine, he has to let it hit him and kill him. Right. Because he is responsible for his, like, mom and sister ultimately being on that plane. Yeah. But he, because he is responsible by living through that initial. Yeah, then getting they get on the, the plane that is crashing. It's a, yeah. well, it's it a paradox. Breaks, it yeah. breaks yeah. the loop, I guess, or. 
Yes. Him we, living causes them to go on the plane, so if he dies, they don't go on the plane in the future iterations of the loop. Something so the, like the loop doesn't break? The plane still exists, they're just not on it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> and I just watched it. No, I don't really know. Right, this makes me feel better, at least. Yeah. yeah. It's not a it's not as great a movie once you really sit down and think about it a whole lot, but the experience of watching it is enjoyable. It's good. I think the image of Frank the Bunny is horrifying, fun, you know, horrifying imagery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I watched two. I rewatched two movies from the late nineties. Uh, one which I like less now, and the other which I like more than I used to. And I want y'all to guess. I watched. I rewatched American Beauty and The Truman Show. Which one do I like more now? Truman Show. Truman Show. Yes. Truman Show. Yeah. Truman Show is still absolutely great. I don't think it's possible to like the Truman Show less. Right. It's, it's a movie that will age better, too, because you mm-hmm. liked it when we were teenagers, and then you watch it now, and you're like, oh, shit, it's actually good. Mm-hmm. Truman Show is fantastic. It has one of the like best moments of Frisson when he escapes, and everyone watching it is like cheering for him that he like finally leaves the dome. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. feels so good that he gets to deliver his trademark line and just mic drop and leave. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Both of those movies have like themes and whatnot that are very on the nose. They're very like obvious, mm-hmm. but I think the Truman Show nails its theme better. Like, I really, I really like it. And then. I don't know. American Beauty just feels dated to me in a weird way. I remember when it came out, it was like one of my favorite movies. I love it. Isn't like one of the first movies that felt like, oh, this is like an art movie yeah. kind of thing? It was sort of an art movie for the masses <laughs> yeah. in a weird paradoxical way. There's, I like yeah. how they kind of make fun of that fact in the movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like with the art film in the art film. Uh, right. It's clever. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's a great directorial debut. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a good movie. I'm not trying to say it's not. Sorry, I interrupted you twice. Um, no, it's just and people try and like talk shit about it as like uh, people who don't understand that American Beauty was poking fun at art house films make fun of American Beauty for including the stuff about filming the plastic bag, right? Like, and it's it's irritating. Yeah, it's like it's in not another teen movie, but it's like right. It's really uh, it's funny like in not a, another a, teen movie, though. Yeah, it's like a parody of a satire, kind of. Yeah. Continuing with the talky talk rules of just kind of ignoring a lot of what's going on on the podcast anyway, um, I would feel dumb talking about American Beauty without talking about Kevin Spacey's performance. Is it hold up? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Even more relevant, him going after underage. Yeah, as I say, it's it's definitely coming from a place of honesty and experience. You can see, which is unsettling. And he's got a neighbor who thinks he's gay and kills him for it. Interesting. He honestly would. Uh, just off the alert. top of my head, he might be my '90s winner, my '90s best actor winner. So that movie, Usual Suspects. Seven. No, I mean like if you took all ten best actor winners from oh, '90 okay, to '99, right. he might be number one for me. Maybe you got him, Roberto Benigni. We don't have to go through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they're both good movies. But Truman Show really really holds up, I think. Ed Harris got a nomination for that. Yes, yeah. He's fantastic. I feel like, yeah, Truman Show's just getting better as it's going on. It's right there. Laura Linney's really good in that movie. She's so good in that movie. Laura Linney's so good. Uh, She's so good when she starts getting scared of Truman. Truman's driving her in the car. Mm -hmm. She's got the knife in the kitchen, just like holding it. When she screams, like, do something to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) She turns around, it's like... We should drink Ovaltine. It's like, who are you talking to? 
Yeah. Um, Paul Giamatti, too, I think. Yeah. He's really good in it. Yeah. I remember that came out in, like, I think right after, did Ed TV came up, come out? Or, like, yeah. the same year? It was, it was close. It was one of those. Ed TV was the second, I think. They're both good. Yeah. That's, that's like, one of those rare moments both, yeah. where they're both good. And they both have different things to say about it. You know, like, Truman Show is not, I don't think it's as much a commentary on, like, how ridiculous reality TV is. But, like, that is all Ed TV is. Yeah, because it's not complicit in Truman Show. Right. right. Truman Show definitely, though, had, it was on point for what uh, how advertising would work in the future, which mm-hmm. was, you know, you don't want to sit through advertising breaks, so we will include products here on the thing that you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Cassandra's been there in the past two months, where they filmed it. Oh. Fake Sea Haven. Nice. Yeah. Fiji. But yeah, that's uh, that's it for me in movies. I'm trying to think if I... No, I haven't really watched anything else. No TV. No new game to speak of, so... You ever played Skyrim? What's this? <laughs> I'm intrigued. I think something you might like. David? <laughs> How unconventional was that? I haven't actually seen a lot of movies. I did see one on uh, Netflix... Not that long ago. Have you guys seen... Uh, I guess I did kind of a John Mulaney twofer. I saw Kid Gorgeous on Broadway. Yeah, we all saw it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then I saw uh, Oh Hello. The first time I saw Oh, oh Hello. Cool. George St. Giegeland and the other guy. I forgot the other guy's name. It's really fucking funny. Is it? Yeah. It looks really annoying. So I can't... I haven't been able to... I'm not a huge troll like, fan either. So. It knows that that's annoying... As kind of like a knowing thing, okay. it also it's a takeoff on like Broadway shows with like one man shows and things. It's it's really funny, and there's just some really funny John Mulaney stuff. They do like a flashback to the '90s. It's like the '90s, day glow colors, Apple computers. O.J. Simpson breaks his 45 year no killing streak, <laughs> <laughs> and he said like O.J. Simpson kills someone so fucking hard they stop making the Bronco <laughs> imagine imagine something happened and there were no more Toyota Camrys <laughs> in the 90s it's got a lot of stuff like that and it's really absurd nice I, I, I thought it was going to be really annoying uh, you know from the knowing those guys and you know a little goes a long way in the Kroll show but they're mm-hmm. it, they're really funny fun we had a favorite joke in Kid Gorgeous which was the uh what is my body except a device to carry my head from room to room? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kid, Kid Gorgeous, is that where he introduces the uh, horse in a hospital? Yeah. yeah. I love that metaphor. That's it's fantastic. Really <laughs> it's scariest when you don't know where the horse is. I like, haven't heard from him in a couple of days. Guys, it's on the elevator now. Didn't know it could do that. Didn't know it could uh, besides that, uh, what else did I watch? I watched uh, Candy Jar, Netflix original. Have you seen this, Chris? No. Have you seen this? No. It's about a high school debate team. That's why I thought yeah. it was no. I was really hoping it was just going to be like Super Art House filming a <laughs> Candy Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Narrated by Werner Herzog. Yeah. Here we have a Candy Jar. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of paint by numbers Netflix original, but it's it's pretty fun. You might, like, there's a lot of inside debate stuff in there. You might get a kick out of it, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to do that, too. It's like, Adam, do you, uh, this is my friend who played rugby. It's like, do you see Invictus? And it's like, 
He's like, yeah, I don't know why people keep asking me this. I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> My bad. I mean, I did it to you guys when I watched Game Night. I'm like, you guys were bothered by the trivia, right? And you're like, no. Right. Nope, didn't bother me. <laughs> uh, that's kind of all the movies I saw. Um, for TV, uh, continue to watch Friday Night Lights. I'm slower than you guys, I think. Yeah. I just started the Milky. second season, and I think I told you guys what a trash fire the first episode of the second season is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I forgot, like, I knew it was, spoiler alert, Landry Clark is a killer, but I forgot how many other things are, are like, they start the breadcrumbs for. It's like, oh, Jason Street, Jason <laughs> Street goes to Mexico for an operation, uh, Lila Garrity gets God... It's like, uh, yeah. it's all these awful things. Matt Saracen and his, uh, the caretaker. It's like, oh, these are some of the worst threads on, uh. Yeah, me and Brent were yeah. talking. If you like, if you were, could only pick one group of seasons four and five or seasons one, two, and three, what would you pick? And he was like, it's hard because the first group has season one and three, but it yeah. also has season two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would you. So I think I, I would rank the seasons now after my first re- rewatch of I think I would have season one as my favorite, then season four, then season five, then three, then two. That's my list. It's I've, been too long for me. Four and five are close. Yeah, four and five are close. I really like the like building the program back up. That's stuff. why four is my favorite. Is yeah. because it's four is the is the season that really I don't know it, it, it's it's most about. Coach and his uh, coaching ability, I think. Even more so than season one. Yeah. And I like that. You like the character Luke, mm-hmm. too. Luke's a good character. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Yep. Also, uh, the first season of uh, Killing Eve ended. Remember I told you guys yeah. I really dug it? It's starting to get some, like, side Emmy love. Nice. For, like, a uh, show of the moment right now. It's a lot of fun. I'm not much more to say of it than that. Hope you guys catch it. Uh, besides that, uh, I played some games. I played uh, Starbound. It's like a Terraria meets um, Stardew Valley kind of game. Yep. Where you have to like find your own fun. Sometimes it's a little hard in Starbound to kind of find it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have actual quests, but some of them are not that uh, thrilling. It's fun to just like poke in there and go mining for a while, though. It's got a kind of better, pl- better controls kind of than Terraria. Yeah, it's better controls, but there's, there's less to do. Yeah, Terraria was—I uh, never played it, but I remember watching y'all play it a lot. Yeah, that was a game with the pickaxe that would just go through in sixty degrees. <laughs> this yeah, game. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looked fun to play. Yeah, but it's fun. It's, it's a nice one to just like mindlessly. If I got. 10 minutes or something, just loaded up or something. Yeah. And the bulk of what I've been playing lately is Escape the Room app games for iPhone. You got me excited. <laughs> I've downloaded one on my iPad since you've gotten here. <laughs> yeah, there's this uh, series called Cube Escape by this uh, team called Rusty Lake. They have this aesthetic, <laughs> aesthetic that's like, uh, do you know them? Jump on a rake. I don't thought you were going to go with more or less <laughs> endings and with... Oh, Cube Escape. <laughs> Rusty Lake. Jump on a rake. Yeah. <laughs> We're in this conversation together. <laughs> Texas forever. <laughs> yeah, we're in this conversation together. Uh, yeah, it's a really fun aesthetic. It's really like uh, David Lynchian. It's kind of surreal and eerie. 
It's got a lot of, like, uh, grisly parts, but a lot of, like, M.C. Escher-type puzzles you'll solve are, like, uh, it's really hard, too. Um, there are a couple of them, they have, like, 11 that are free, and then the, there's, like, Rusty Lake Paradise and a couple others that are, like, two bucks to get. I'm, I'm thinking about them when I get through these. Really good. Great one. My favorite is probably The Cave, I would recommend, but they're all kind of link a little bit together. Like, tell this kind of continuous story as much as, like, you'd follow in a David Lynch-type movie. How tough are they? They're really, really hard. Some of the things where you can just, like, flow for, like, you know, seven clues straight, and then another one will just take you, take me, like, an hour or so. Kind of putting it up and putting it down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it's it's really fun. Fun fun aesthetic, if you're into that kind of thing. And again, real, real eerie. I recommend playing with uh, sound, like I was doing at the big, beginning of our sound test, because you know, fun sound design. Sweet. I'm not looking into that. That sounds fun. Yep. Other than that, just listening to podcasts, which aren't really on the docket. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'll use that. Uh, I played three new games Ooh. recently since my sabbatical. Uh, first game I'll do quickly because it's a bunch of buzzwords to describe it. I played the game Wizards of Legend. It is a procedurally it's generated roguelike. It is named buzzwords. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a lot of fun. You're, it's basically, you go through a randomly generated dungeon, um, but you only have, like, magic. And they're assigned to all of the face buttons on the Switch controller or on whatever controller you have. And you've got a dash. And it's just, you know, it's really hard, really punishing. It's more about executing really tight movement and using spells optimally to keep like the the enemies stunned but it's fun it's another like popcorn game we'll all, we're all like play a run put it down you know right before bed or something other than that I played uh, a game with an interesting history of how it got released but it's uh, bloodstained curse of the moon it is it was released as a stretch goal from Kickstarter for funding the game Bloodstained. Uh, fuck, I forget the full, full title of it. But it's it's made by the guy who created Castlevania. Uh, Castlevania. Oh, okay. It's Igarashi. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, and it's Bloodstained is one of those like one of the most crowdfunded games in Ritual history. Ritual of the Night. Ritual of the Night. Yeah, um, and he, as like a stretch goal during it, was like, you know. Hey, if you, if we hit like three million dollars in funding, uh, we'll make we'll, we'll just make like a, like a sixteen bit like a like a Super Nintendo era like version, and we'll release it early. And so, I think everyone thought it was going to be kind of like throwaway or a couple letters, mm-hmm. a couple levels. But it is a full fucking game, and feels like it could hang with like some of the best Castlevania games. Fun. Uh, it's really tough. There's like four playable characters, like Castlevania three almost. Um, and yeah, it's that Castlevania shit. It's, you know, when you jump, you commit to the jump. There's no, like, air control. Every enemy you get hit by, you bounce back, like, a bunch of bunch of tiles. <laughs> so you have to be, like, really careful and cal- calculated and, like, when you're going to jump and, like, the movement. Question, yeah. are there Medusa heads in this game? I was game? literally about to ask if there were Medusa heads. <laughs> there are floating eyeballs. Uh, but they limit uh, those. They have those in two, at least. Um, 
but it's the same mechanics as the Medusa heads. The, the, it does seem like the frequency of them is way down. Mm. Almost like Igarashi was like, I know what I did, and that got <laughs> out of control. Um, but there, the award winner for most annoying enemy is there are segments where you're on a bridge, and there are these like hawks that drop frogs mm. onto the bridge, and the frogs are so damn fast, and they're short. Mm. So you have to like duck to hit them. Him, yeah. But if you crouch, then another one flies and drops another one behind you. So you can't advance if you keep killing them. So you just have to like close your eyes, sprint, mm-hmm. like just like try and jump them. Like some of those Mario levels. And yeah, with the bloopers, yeah. the cheap cheeps. Yeah, hot drop frogs. That's just a weird uh, <laughs> sequence of syllables. <laughs> hot drop frogs. Hot drop frogs. Frog dropping hawks. <laughs> call nine one one. Brent had a stroke. <laughs> hawks drop frogs. So that last one, like Boston person frogs. Boston person. <laughs> oh, you sounded like Boston person there. Dividends <laughs> <laughs> are hard. Frog dropping hawks. <laughs> you ain't nothing but a frog dropping hawk. I tell you. I tell you. That's a good Boston person. <laughs> yeah. But I played a third game. Uh, it's uh, and TJ played it a little bit with me last night. Came out on Friday. It's a uh, uh, Mario uh, Tennis Aces. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. the title of the game. But it's the new Mario Tennis game. That's awesome. Uh, I love the '64 version. This is the one I played. It's fun. It's 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 way more complicated than I thought it would be. Same with like what I was saying before with Wizards of Legend. Every face button is a different type of swing. Mm. Like top spin, flat spin, uh, lob, and backspin. backspin, and then you can direct it and like hold forward or back on the controller. Mm-hmm. And then there's a way to slow down time, and it's just it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's an arcade ass tennis game. Mm-hmm. You can break someone's racket and can win the like win a match that way, <laughs> just by like like depleting well, the, the number of rackets point. they have. Yeah, yeah. just destroy their racket and win. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a Mario tennis game. From what I heard, it's a return to form. The last couple haven't been very good. Hmm. This one's a lot of fun. It was fun. There's a weird story mode that's like all about this like ancient tennis racket god <laughs> that they accidentally built their tennis court on, <laughs> like his like his like hallowed grounds. I think you'd be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, Thanks for building the court on my grave. But it's a spinoff of Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are the games I've been playing. Uh, other than that, uh, while I was in the capital city, I went to the movie theater a couple times. Capital city. I was there when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, which was kind of neat. Oh, that's cool. That was fun. Um, but the two movies I saw, I saw a documentary and I saw a little indie movie. The documentary was Won't You Be My Neighbor? Ah, uh, I want to see that. It's just so heartwarming. Yeah. Like, there's... There's nothing about it that I have anything negative to say. Like, it's it's like they... It's clear that they looked for things to talk about. They looked for controversy. Mm-hmm. And, like, controversial things about this man. But, like, they, like, they couldn't find anything. They like, interviewed the kids. And I don't know if it's, like, people protecting his legacy. Uh, Mr. Rogers. Uh, I didn't say it yet. But, like, his kids were like, we'd be sitting at dinner table at the dinner table and he'd get frustrated... And then he'd start, then he'd change his voice and he'd start speaking like King Friday. It's like, his, he wanted us to know that that he would like always be our dad and always be the family man. And like when he had moods that that he knew were unreasonable, he voiced them as a different character. So that we knew that this wasn't our dad getting mad. This was 
This was King Friday. Hmm. Do they talk about the, uh, I forget what his job was, the black guy though? Yeah, they do. They go through the, the pool yep. thing. That's mm-hmm. I watched a documentary on, anybody ever watched uh, CBS Sunday Morning? The show with like the... Yeah, sometimes. Art, yeah, they do really good, like kind of like This American Life or something where they just do little vignettes on different things. But they interviewed the that guy. Yeah. And uh, he was like, he didn't really get into the episode until he looked down and saw his feet in a kiddie pool with Mr. Rogers' feet. In yeah. the like sixties, and he's a black guy. And he's like, oh shit, this yeah. guy's like doing things. Yeah, matter. He was yeah, and, it, and it's funny because they talk about him because because that guy uh, is is a gay man, and Wait, really yeah. So they talk about like you know, like they never really had the conversation. It's just you know when when word came to Mister Rogers that they had photographed him in a gay bar. You know they they had a they're like you know you can't being gay bars if you're on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He's just like, like, didn't understand. But like, over time, like, knew that it wasn't, that it was Mr. Rogers being intolerant. It's just, that wasn't the message that he wanted to be in the show. But like, like, spent a lot of time talking about like, homosexuality and difference and how it's like, acceptable. But just for some reason, that's not what that character was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It's interesting. He was he was an absolute control freak on the show, but not in a despotic way. I heard this thing on um, there's this podcast called Crybabies. It's like a bunch of famous people do this podcast about things that make them cry, and they bring it. Kumail Nanjiani was on it, and he brought uh, Mr. Rogers' testimony before Congress yeah. about uh, funding public television. So good. Yeah, in that he has like a little anecdote. Apparently, Mister Rogers kept his weight right at about one forty three yep. as a control freak because that's like the initials for "I love you" is yep. one four three, <laughs> one letter, four letters, three letters. Yeah, it was like important to him like that. It wasn't that he kept his weight there; it's that he said that he that every day he weighed one hundred and forty three pounds. Hmm. And the people they they talk to people on the staff like, "What is this one four three thing?" And they're like. I don't know. Could be bullshit. But nothing in his life made you ever question if he was telling you the truth or not. Right. He just would say something like that, and you'd just kind of go, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) Weird. Um, But it's a really charming documentary. I think it's shot well. Um, You know, interviews with his kids and with other people on set. um, Kind of getting into, like, what you would expect the, the, the hijinks would be on a public access show with a crew that's getting paid, like, nothing. Um, See the one where the kids like I feel like I've seen an interview where they're like, was it hard growing up with Mister Rogers? But they were kind of like, no, it was great. Like he was just kind of that way. Yeah, like, there wasn't really an act. Right, it's kind of the way he was in real life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they spend a lot of time talking to, talking to two kids, and they seem completely different. Like one of them is like the public access television, like you know. Like, liberal, fund the arts looking guy with like a long beard and long hair, and he's like swearing all the time. The other guy's like a buttoned up businessman because Mr. Rogers was, at the end of the day, like a pastor and, right. you know, all like family values. Methodist? He was a, wasn't he? Like, big in the Methodist church. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, I'm hoping that I knocked a, a, a dock off my Oscar run. Um, it would surprise me if it didn't get even, like, a little love at least. Um, I think right now it's probably the front runner. As early as it is in the race. Yeah. I didn't end up seeing RBG. I, I said I wanted to. Hmm. Um, so that's still on my radar. 
But I did see uh, indie, indie film in theaters. I saw Hearts Beat Loud. It's the Nick Offerman, Kiersey Clemens uh, movie about... Uh, Kiersey Clemens is a 17, 18-year-old in high school in New York. Uh, and she is getting ready to leave for UCLA, where she is taking a full-ride scholarship and wants to be a doctor. Uh, but right around that time... Uh, Nick Offerman decides to like music has always been important in their life. Um, the mother, who's no longer in the scene, uh, was a singer, and he was her guitarist. Uh, he wants to start a band with Kiersey Clemens, and you know one of the one of the clips that's going around, like the one of their their uh, promotional trailers, is you know Kiersey Clemens brushing her teeth, and Nick Offerman kind of like in the doorframe, being like, "Let's start a band." <laughs> Uh, but so that's basically what it is. Is it's a dad tries to start a band with his daughter, um, and it's really cute and it's good, fun, good people to be in a movie like that too. I feel like it's just yeah. And when it hits streaming, it'll be something I've watching watching a flash. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. It's 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 early, but it's like my sing street this year so far. Oh, is, wow. is that it's just like it's pleasant. The songs are are good. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly cute. You know. Nick Offerman is just a gem. Uh, uh, Ted Danson's in it and plays like kind of a. He was an old lounge singer who bought a bar, and who is just discovering that he really likes marijuana, and is just the the two of them are good as like two old fogies talking about you know how they're always going to be children. Um, I like Ted Danson. I like old Ted Danson especially. Yeah. Um, reminded me of his character from Bored to Death. I don't know if you're nice there sure. with the show, or just like a, a, a an adult child. Yeah, but yeah, that was really good. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody. I think he gave it four and a half stars. Oh. Um, nice. Then, and that's another movie that's like it was emotional, and I was like, I'm by myself in a movie theater in a city I don't live in, and I'm stuck here for like another ten days. If I if I want to cry, I'm just gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when this movie's all about, like, you know, Nick Offerman doesn't want his daughter to leave for college, even though it's what's best for her, because then he's going to be all alone. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting a little close to home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I saw that was new, new. And I saw two Netflix movies. One was Good, one was Bad. The bad one was Ibiza. Oh. It's Jillian Jacobs, uh, Vanessa Bayer, and... Phoebe Robinson? Yes. Vanessa Bayer 0 for 2 on her 2018 movie so far. Remember, she was in the Polka Singer. Right. <laughs> she, she was Bitsy Bear. Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah. Best part of that. Um, not, not hard to do. <laughs> be the best part of that movie. It's just dumb. It's just a dumb movie. And it's 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 like it was trying to capitalize on the like girls' trip, bridesmaids style, like you know the the, the Yas Queen, you do you, um, like thing. Uh, this is me resisting the, using the word zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> he did it anyway. Thought you could come up with a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thing in the public consciousness. Zeit- I zeitgeist wish there was a good, good word. Zeitgeist is a good word. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to see it, but your thing, and I just looked at the tagline from IMDb. The whole lesson of this movie. Oh wait, that's never mind. <laughs> that's a review. I think the whole lesson of this movie is to gamble with your career, take drugs, and yellow, no consequence. Yeah. <laughs> Be a weird tagline. 
especially, especially the consequence of this movie. Especially when it starts out with, I think. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. My so I've read that wrong. Cut that out. <laughs> so if you don't know the plot, it's Jillian Jacobs is in a job doing something, and she needs to land this account uh, of uh, these Spaniards who have some sparkling water that they make and sell. No real indication of what she does, but she needs to land the account. Um, And so she has to go to Spain on her first work trip from her terrible boss. And while she's there, she, you know, with the client, goes to a club and has a meet-cute with the DJ. So then she has to decide whether she wants to follow him to Ibiza, to a club where she knows he'll be, uh, to, you know, reconnect and love him again, uh, or... uh, be professional and stay in Spain for their their meeting, which is a brunch meeting now, um, which is a big plot point because she doesn't answer her phone ever or look at the text her boss is sending her. What a monster. <laughs> but at first it sounded like it was going to be like, here's a movie about businesswoman. Everything's business. And here's a guy who's going to solve all her problems with his penis. <laughs> I was like, God, did they make another one of those now? No, but it's it's right, it's not bad. <laughs> the two side characters are the best. Um, there's there's one where I think you said it was Phoebe Robinson. Yeah, she uh, she just some somehow she's, she's they like just tell her like you know we're we're coming with you we're coming to Spain like we're just gonna do it we we've, we've already put in our notice we're staying at your hotel deal with it we'll be there um, and <laughs> Phoebe Robinson for some reason has an obsession. She's like, I'm I'm gonna fuck so many dudes. And they're like, Oh yeah, in for that that hot Spanish like action. She was like, No, I don't care. Old, young, new, old dick is dick. <laughs> and so that's like kind of a, a recurring thing. Uh, She's not wrong. But does anybody ever just say the phrase Ibiza, baby? Yes, of course they do. Yeah, but it sucks. Anyway, it's I like watched one of those movies. I watched a different movie that was very different. Also, a movie about traveling. It's called Kodachrome. I like Kodachrome. I like Kodachrome, too. Jason Sudeikis, Elizabeth Olsen, and Ed Harris. Did you see it? I still need to see it. Okay. I tried once when I was night-feeding Harriet, and we yeah. both fell asleep. Yeah, I don't think it's a good movie for middle-of-the-night watching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a fun movie, you know, very The three leads emotional. are just so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would watch Elizabeth Olsen eat a sandwich. You know, like it's <laughs> like I, I think that she's that she's a good actress. I'd watch her fix one. <laughs> Welcome to the Men Podcast. I'd, I'd make her a sandwich. You know what I mean? No, but she's she she's been in so many great roles, and I don't think yeah. that that, she, that even like. I think her, the worst thing that she's been in, her worst performances as Scarlet Witch in the first movie yeah. that she's in. Probably her, is, her worst thing is her most high profile. Right. No. Let me ask, would you watch her eat an entire pie <laughs> in a room with a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I didn't think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's she's phenomenal in it. Jason Sudeikis continues to show that he has dramatic acting chops. chops yeah. He plays that like despondent like schmuck that impunctuous asshole like more effectively than I think I've seen a lot of people like kind of like that that old Greg Kinnear role like that you know I can see that yeah like like the world sucks I hate everyone and I know it's because it's it's my fault mm-hmm. so uh, that movie has a really cute moment that 
what explained sounds super cheesy, but it's actually executed fairly well. But it's the where he can he claims he has like a ability, a superpower kind of to that he can tell anybody what they listen to in their like formative years in high school, like what music they liked. He plays a like a exactly. talent scout pretty much. Yeah, for a record label, um, and he pins her as like uh, was it Dave Matthews Life. Life, that's right. Yeah, she loves life, and she's like, "No, I totally was like a goth kid or whatever." And then, like, an hour later in the movie, you like hear her in the background singing, like humming the song. Yeah, if life's like one hit. What is life? Who's life? Uh, live, not live. live. Oh, gotcha. Like lightning crashes and whatnot. yeah, yeah. yeah. She was singing lightning crashes. Yeah. But he did, he. <laughs> He does have the joke. He's like, it's the only song about a placenta. It's the only <laughs> top ten hit about a placenta. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. And Ed Harris is really good. I mean, Ed Harris is just... He's always good. Renaissance. Pollock. Yeah. kind of want to see Pollock again. Which is weird. I just... He got nominated for that, right? That's one yes. of his, like, big things. I was just kind of in a bad place when I watched it, and then it's about a guy who's always in a bad place. <laughs> so I don't remember much about it. Right. But Ed Harris is kind of one of those, like, superstar actors who just forget exist until he's in a movie. Like, yeah. I just always forget about him. I mean, he's, he's, he's the best part about Westworld season one. Oh, yeah. See, I just keep, let's forget. He's doing good work in season two. I haven't seen any of season two. We are season one. We we did so Kelly and I for some reason are not watching any Legion. We're not watching any Westworld, and we're not watching any Fred the other books. show. Not watching any books. No. <laughs> I have also been very delinquent this season of Westworld. Hadn't watched any Westworld. We are intentionally not watching it so we can watch it in one like in yeah. a couple sittings. That makes sense because I think the first season works much better as a binge watch than it does as a week to week show. We stopped, and with the intention of. Doing it. It's a lot to keep up with, and it's a lot to... Game, Game of Thrones is kind of the same way, unless you're watching it, I feel like, the way we do, which is kind of with a group, and we can all talk about it every week. Yeah. Yeah, the only way I can really watch it is to watch and listen to everything, which is watch the episodes and then listen to some podcasts that break down each episode. Right. To, like, really understand what's going on. I still I still enjoy the week-to-week. I won't spoil anything. There's been two... Uh, landmark episodes of the season. One is that it's definitely the best of the season, maybe one of the best episodes of TV all year. Nice. Mm. <coughs> Saying that in a strong Atlanta year. Yeah. It's, it's up there with the Teddy Perkins and stuff. The Woods. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. But that's my watch list. I know I went kind of long, but I had three games and four movies. I normally don't have a game or more than one. Breezy on the breezy <laughs> on the <laughs> on the we'll do it as a cannon. I hope this gets cut from the edit. <laughs> You're it doing will. this one, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely will get cut from the, the edit. Hallucinogen, the hallucinogen. I got news. So no, E3 kind of wrapped up when Chris was gone, which was bad timing. But yeah, you know, what's, what's, what's from E3? I want to follow up on a news story you guys talked about. Uh, yeah. There are allegations about Gotti that they are, there is a viral, there is a marketing campaign that is setting up uh, fake Rotten Tomatoes accounts to artificially boost the, the score on Rotten Tomatoes. I've never heard of that happening. I've never heard of fake accounts. <laughs> Do I know something fun about it? The It's it's some Reddit user who, who like did the digging uh, for the like eighty accounts which gave 
uh, gaudy high marks. Uh, 60 of them were made around the time Last Jedi came out and review bombed Last Jedi. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but those are the only two movies those accounts have reviewed. Um, you know, it is it famously sitting at a zero percent from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and so their their new ad campaign is critics hated it, audience loved it. Go see it. Mm. Like, like, like you need to see the phenomenon that the critics are all wrong about. It's just wild. I mean, how else do you take that campaign, right? How do you recoup any money from it besides doing that? Especially when you've got when you've got new media. Company Movie Pass putting a lot of money behind it because hmm. Movie Pass is one of the studios. Really? Yeah. Wow. They've got that and American Animals. Man, American Animals is getting good reviews. Yeah. Looks, low, looks cool. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to follow up on that because I heard that and I was like, "That's crazy." Um, some box office news. I know that uh, Jurassic World. It's not super surprising, I guess, but it beat Deadpool two in its opening weekend. It was, it was surprising to me. Honestly. Yeah. Um, other box office news I know that, that it was posted in the group Movies by Us on Facebook but um, all Star Wars side projects on hiatus after the performance of Solo yeah Solo is on track to be the first Star Wars movie ever to lose money yep and it's on track to be the lowest grossing Star Wars movie unadjusted for inflation which is nuts compared right. to like in, uh, Empire yeah, the when thing people about were it, playing a nickel for a movie. <laughs> the thing about it is, it's such. It feels like such the weird, the wrong trap to take. For me, I mean, I didn't see it, but just from the outside, it's like it's a movie that was disassembled halfway through. Like they'd gotten through most of the shoot, reassembled it, reshot stuff, changed the director, and then launched it with like a couple months, mm-hmm. um, you know, campaign. Whereas Rogue One had like a year long, you know, final cut done, and even though that had some problems with it, it had a year leading up to it where they could launch a campaign. This one was like barely making the, you know, the cut, the deadline to, you know, go to like, I don't know, D23 or whatever Disney con kind of Uh thing to, to meet the meet it for that. That seems more the, the thing they should do rather than like all these future plans, like just, do it right and right. don't meddle. So here's the thing my thought. that's so confusing about it is that they fired the two guys, the Lego movie directors. Mm-hmm. Right. What are their names? Lord Miller. Lord Miller. Fired them, bring in Ron Howard. So in my mind, I'm going, okay, they were trying to make this like too fun. Yeah. And they brought in Ron Howard to kind of reel it back in. And then I go see Solo and I'm like, what the fuck? Why didn't they leave these two guys in? The movie would have been, they, they made a dumb movie. I mean, like, a dumb and not a bad movie, but, you know, like a dumb, fun movie. Yeah. Why do they Why do they want to take out the fun and bring in, like, the guy who, to make it a little more serious It's getting too far away from Star Wars? I mean, I don't know what happened in those meetings and why they were exactly fired, but it's, it's odd to me. They took out directors who have a history of, you know, comedy. And you can and tell. bring in Ron, Ron Howard and then make a movie that, like, was neither. That's very tonally confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brent? It just seems to me they're focusing on the wrong thing. It's not like, you know, everybody is not caring about Star Wars anymore. It's like, what you guys did messed up. Just like, own own up to that. Yeah, you fucked it up. Yeah. It was fucked in pre-production. Yeah. Just trust the people you hire, I guess is my thought. But, you know, there's a lot riding on all that stuff. 
everything about the final product felt phoned in to me. But and that doesn't mean it's awful. Because I still think the movie sometimes sometimes you is, only achieve awful by taking risks, and this didn't take any risks. And I don't think this was an awful movie by any means. No, it's a it's an above average movie for sure. But I think it just there's just I don't I don't think the studio was very excited about this movie. I don't think I, I don't think it got the marketing blitz that even Rogue One did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think that they ever found a reason for people to care. Like they they've done it for every Star Wars movie, and with Rogue One, they got a reason for them to care. It's like you know how it ends, but do you know how it started kind of thing. And it's like all new characters was the big thing, because all new characters are fun. And then for this, their big draw was Donald Glover. And then Donald Glover took control of his own media storm and was like, go see Solo, but like, also like... This music video is dope. Listen to my (laughs) critique of like America. Right. And it's like, oh, those two messages like competing from Donald Glover are... Difficult for Disney. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's just this, it's, I think it's the only film franchise where you can go in and get, you can make an above average movie and get horrible backlash from it. Yeah. Like, obviously. The Last Jedi is a, I think is a great movie, but people hate it for, like it didn't happen with like Harry Potter when they made Fantastic Beasts. I mean, that's also a three star movie. It's, you know, above average, but not great, not bad. And nobody cared. It was like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I think it's really important that, that it's not going to do well because it will instill, or it should instill in them... Punishing a, bad behavior, kind yeah. of? Yeah. And it, it, it should also... I mean, I think that they are very gun-shy about writing new material for the Star Wars universe, which is why they've, they've, they've created these, like, these encapsulated trilogies... That are you know the main saga, but for all the backlash for Last Jedi and whatnot, you still get Last Jedi made a shit ton more money than Solo. Yeah, and you know it's the movie that that tried new things and challenged what your expectations were of Star Wars, and that's the one that made the money, and that's the one that critics loved. So it got more critical acclaim and more money. So I think they should yeah. stick with doing that. They should stick with risking, trying right. risks. <laughs> because like, like the, there's the backlash from the fans, but the you know the market accepted that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the market didn't it, really accept this you know milk toast vanilla down the line. You know, I didn't. Say that. I, I, I that's unfair to say that, but it's what it seemed. And like. I'm sure I'm sure Last Jedi critics would. I think Last Jedi critics would would probably say. Well, yeah, that's because we were all excited for the movie, and then we were disappointed after we saw it. But it would have made the money. But you don't make that much money without people going that's back repeats. to the theater, right? Yeah, yeah. that's and, and that's the thing is like people people deride Last Jedi who are like main Star Wars fans. Like fuck the Star Wars fans. That's that's like maybe a million dollars you're going to make in ticket sales. Maybe like ten million dollars in ticket sales. But like. If you just ignore them and keep making like bold moves and being brave with your your storyboarding, like who needs old Star Wars fans for there to be good Star Wars movies coming out? And honestly, the people that I've talked to that I'm close to that hated that might be a strong word that disliked the Last Jedi or Force Awakens in some order, yeah, disliked one, disliked the other. Uh, they're not. I mean, this sounds like pretentious and super nerdy, but they're not really Star Wars fans. Like, they want to think they are, but, like, there's not 
You know? I mean, they're kind of like David. Like, they've seen, know, he, he's not invested, you know what I mean, in yeah, these movies. But I like a good movie. I loved right. Last Jedi. It's probably my it's favorite great. or second favorite of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's great. I think Disney just needs to interpret, like, what the market is telling them is, like, everyone would be okay with using that universe with all new characters. Get away from Skywalker saga. And I think they're doing that in the new ones, in 7 and 8. Yeah. Like, they are, it's a slow, slow roll, but they're getting there. Yeah. Like, but they're all dead. (laughs) Yeah. But so, so yeah, so, like, the, that, the side stories that are put on hold are Boba Fett and, what was Uh, the other one? Well, Boba Fett was, like, maybe happening. The one that... No, Boba Fett was definitely happening. They were, like, in early pre-production uh, Obi-Wan. Right. So it's, like, good. Let's let's can those movies. Like, why don't we talk about a like a character who is not that involved in any of the, the stories and tell their universe, their corner. Like, if they would have done Solo and focused on a different smuggler and scoundrel and told the story of something happening in the Star Wars universe, like, a la... Uh, Rogue One, where it's like, all right, well, that's war efforts, that's, you know, espionage. Here's, like, the Smokey and the Bandit side of the Star Wars universe. The fast ships, fast women, you know, gambling, and all that stuff, and just not make it Han Solo. I think with, yeah, with Han Solo, I don't think you could have made a good movie from that. Because the the fun part about Rogue One was all the new characters and the new takes on stuff and expanding the universe. The Han Solo, the way I think of it is like that story has a thin margin at the like side of the page for you to do something interesting. Like all of his backstory, we know like the Kessel Run, how he wins the Millennium Falcon, like his early dealings with Lando. It's all talked about. It's like for you to just flesh that out and paint by numbers. I thought there's never going to be an interesting movie. One of the first reviews I saw of it before. Brent or I saw the movie, or Chris, and I thought the review was accurate. It was like, oh, they did a really good job of filming the Han Solo Wikipedia page. Yeah. And it's just like, yep, I always saw it. And it's like, I mean, it's fun, don't get me wrong. But. I, and I don't mind them taking a, a well-established character and just telling us a new story with them. Like, if they want to do something... Like, there was talk of a Kenobi movie where he is just like, where it's him on, like, Tatooine or something. Or it's him after somewhere in between the events. What I don't want to see is, like, young Obi-Wan growing up in the Jedi Academy. Because we just know how that went. We know how that went because the movies did a good job of establishing that. And that's why we didn't need to see all this stuff in Solo. Because the original trilogy, when it dropped all these little things, it did such a perfect job of just telling us everything we needed to know. Give you enough of his backstory that you can... that his actions are justified on screen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Rogue One, in hindsight, I'm guessing I, I like it more now, knowing, like, the other way this could go, <laughs> right. having seen Solo. But, like, the thing, knock of it is, like, well, we all know how it ends. And the Han Solo movie, it's like, we know how it ends, but we also know the middle, we also know the beginning. It's like, what are you even watching Well, the, be- the beginning, we don't know, and that's the interesting part of Solo. And then they leave his beginning... In the first like ten fifteen minutes, yeah, that would have been but way more interesting. But like, it's like child labor, slavery, like black market, like like street rats. There's this like this crime boss who's akin to Jabba the Hutt, but just on a different planet. There's you know far more interesting, far more interesting, and it's fifteen minutes. Move on. Let's get the Millennium Falcon. I compare all of Solo to what if uh, um, what if Christopher Nolan had included a flashback scene to tell us how the Joker really did get those scars. <laughs> Which would have ruined the mystique of yeah. the scars to me. Yeah. Or made a whole movie about it. Would be worse. 
<laughs> like, here's Joker in an orphanage getting right. sliced up by some something. Are there any side characters that haven't been announced? Like, they've announced, like, or theoretically, like, Jabba the Hutt, Lando, Obi-Wan, Boba Fett, all these characters. Anyone you'd be interested in? Were you talking about this a little last Is night? Is that origin story? Yeah. Or just, like, a side like story? Like a rogue oneification. See, the thing about Rogue One that I think works is they took something that was kind of like a meme in the how is there this exhaust vent and how do they know about it? It's so ridiculous. They've got this like orbital death laser machine and it is the size of a fucking moon and they couldn't just like close the vent. Like, and they made it like, like, you know, like, ouch, my Achilles heel. I can't believe my Achilles heel was exposed. How did you know? But like, they took that, like a small aspect and they spun out. So for me, a character that would be similar to that for Rogue One would be someone like Greedo. Or, like, just take someone where the reference is there, but it's not about the reference to the original trilogy or to the right. new trilogy. Like, if you did a whole... Like, if you talked about the person who manufactured or who, who built the Millennium Falcon. I guess like, that's something more like that. Because Rogue One is not necessarily a character. Right. It's a, you know, an idea that gets explored. And that's what makes the Darth Vader payoff way better in Rogue One or makes it meaningful is that like oh shit they're actually they're actually incorporating more of this than was originally sold mm-hmm. yeah I'm just not a big fan of prequels in general right new shit or spinoffs yeah. yeah I mean spinoffs are fine if it's different enough but like I don't know like if there was a you know like forward-thinking, progressive film in the future about any Star Wars character, I'm fine with that. If it's cool and different, you know? Yeah. But I just like, want to see more space for creativity. That's, in right. the essence, like, the cool thing about Star Wars. is It's such this creative world that was, you know, designed. What's crazy is they're limiting... They are... are they, Star Wars seems, as a franchise, more bound to its fans and their demands... Than Marvel, which is insane to me, because Marvel has all these has just tons of canon stories that are out there in comic form that people have been reading for decades and decades. Right. And Star Wars really doesn't have that much. Like I know people read novelizations and novels and whatnot of Star Wars, but nobody they're not as popular as Marvel comic books. And and not so. only that, but when Disney acquired Star Wars, they went through and listed the things that were going to be considered canon. Mm-hmm. So they decanonized a bunch of Star Wars novels. So, like, you know, when Marvel Marvel kind of, you know, they announce movies and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be this story that I've read in the comics and whatnot. This is the Infinity Gauntlet story right. and whatnot. And they do a great job of, of, of putting things that you've read in comics up on the screen. But, like, Marvel, to an extent, is limited by that because they can't just completely veer off in a new direction. Or at least they could, but, but they don't. Yeah. But where they just completely do something that no one's ever heard of. That... You don't have any Marvel villains in the movies that are unique to the movies and brand new. At least main villains. Yeah. And Star Wars, though, has the freedom to do that. They should have the freedom to do that. This should be the series that can be as inventive as it wants to be. But you just see a company being terrified by that freedom because they don't know... You know, it's so much money going into it that they're terrified of... It's just so weird to change the recipe, kind of, to your point, you know? Like, it was working. For fucking 40 years, it was working. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wait, there's some guys on Facebook who don't like our movie. 
I, they said mean things. Let's I, change up. It's like, wow, you just made a billion dollars. <laughs> I think they're having a problem with... The, the, they can't divorce themselves from uh, a property that is fueled by one vision. And it is now being built by a committee. And I think that terrifies them. Like, the, the plan for... Four, five, six, and then one, two, three is all George Lucas's brainchild. So then, that they keep tying the new movies into that seems like evidence of their fear. I think they also their 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 way they're going about making these side stories is is way off. I think instead of picking a character and being like, let's make a Boba Fett movie, I think what they need to do is just have just be like people write Star Wars scripts, send them to us. Yeah, or let's make the Dash Rendar movie. And let's just see. We're going to make the best movies that people can write. That's how other movies get made. <laughs> true. Instead of just, like, picking one thing and just, like, we're going to develop a Yoda movie. We're going to do a... You have an ecosystem of, like, Star Wars spec scripts. Like, everyone yes. takes shots at... That way you're not putting like all that. your eggs in one basket on every single movie. You could give yourself, like, stories like, you know, I loved... Thor Ragnarok, that's essentially Planet Hulk mixed with the Ragnarok storyline, and with this fun, like, comedic take on it. Mm -hmm. Like, just to have, like, new stuff kind of revitalize it would be fun to do that way, but, you know, it's a lot of money, Mm -hmm. which scares the shit out of a company that uh, owns everybody's childhood. (laughs) Was Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams, were they involved in Solo at all? I mean, Kathy Kennedy c- was credited as being involved. She's, <laughs> she's on everything. Yeah, she's the big thing behind. Uh, I think Lord and Miller that I read that got uh, written about it is that the solo script was written by Lawrence Kasdan, who's like you know uh, Star Wars. He's George Lucas's scriptwriter. Yeah, he's Star Wars God, and the person that Kathleen Kennedy trusts the most. The script he wrote originally, they said anyone could direct it, and it would be one of the best movies of the year. It was apparently that good of a script, or what they thought was that good of a script. So they fired Lord and Miller because they were doing something different. Mm. They were, they were just, deviating yeah. from the... Well, they need, to not, they need to get off a fucking high horse. Star Wars is not the the cinema event of the year. Like, there are, there are, there are dozens of those mm-hmm. throughout the year. Like, yeah, not to be hyperbolic, but, you know, catering to... Like the the backlash and stuff of keeping Star Wars this pure one thought is going to be how a uh, series dies, right? You're going to be serving the same fans and, you know, fan service these same people and not open it up to anybody. And maybe, like, their kids will like it, but it'll pretty much be, like, this thing that their dad or their mom was into. And the crazy thing is, they could make... I mean, Marvel is showing you can make movies for the adults and you can make movies for the kids. Yeah. You can do both. They're in the same company. Like, would, how do they not? <laughs> yeah, like, 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 call up Brad Bird and go. How do you do it? <laughs> how do you how do you attract new fans with new properties? Or what's this, what's the Marvel guy's name? Kevin, Kevin Feige. Yeah. Feige. Loan Feige out. Yeah. To just kind of like he has Feige. He he had a master document for ten years for a rough draft of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe was going to be. And he nailed it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, for, for sure. Absolutely. Made like two bad movies out of 20? How many are there now? 15? 74. 19. 19? Yeah, I think that's right. 
But anyway, that was a that was a deep dive into some some solo fun, talk. Fun talk. It's yeah. also it's also uncomfortable news when you hear that you know this multi billion dollar studio is adjusting because like a couple like loud like the the loud minority is telling well, it to. I, to, I just I, they did have a, they did have a flop at the box office to an extent, like it you know compared to what they spent on that movie, but. I think they're reacting in the wrong way to it, which is they're misdiagnosing what what the problems are. And I hope that's that's us. Uh, you know, we're assessing their their Motives. take on why they're doing it. That's true. I hope we we're wrong, wrong that they're not connecting these two things. Yeah, yeah. Right? All we know is that J.J. Abrams went to Episode Nine, and uh, who's the guy who's going to do it? Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. He was taken off. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we could see that as going back to, you know, rejecting Ryan Johnson, but that's kind of also our interpretation. Yeah. Maybe it's just because Maybe just he's hard to work to with. Solo and this online backlash thing that's this super minority being vocal is not being considered, but, you know. Is that Ryan Johnson thing not happening now? The, his own movies still? Yeah. I don't know. Well, all the film stuff is on hold. I'm, I think I read a thing, all the TV stuff is still going ahead. Like John Favreau is doing live action TV series for. So, I just read the spinoff. I assumed that meant like the. Uh, I heard it was, it, was it was everything. I could be wrong, but I heard it was just the movies that the the TV show for Disney streaming. Yeah, I'm saying I thought the movies that were on hold were just like Boba Fett and Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it didn't and it didn't involve Ron Johnson because he was getting his own. That was that going to be TV then? No, was, that was going to be. He a, was going to do a trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I think Benioff and Weiss are also doing a trilogy. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's what they need to do. More Just, more people writing. Yeah. Yep. Instead of picking the subjects first, just pick your creators and, first and, and let them do get, what they want. Then people will get less upset when there's not just like the one tentpole event of the year. It's yeah. like, if you didn't like that Star Wars movie, watch this other Star Wars movie or watch a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just watch movies. <laughs> oh. It was somewhat cathartic to talk about this. Yeah, it's really frustrating. All this stuff coming out about it because yeah. you know that your reaction to it on the internet will be met with some of the things that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. What's coming out this weekend? All right, we you got. Can see, oh, sorry, I know there. <laughs> Go ahead. Three movies coming out. Oh, it was just two. Oh, two. I guess I'm including Sanju, so I should not include Sanju. Include Sanju. Um, two movies. So. Uh, Sicario, Day of the Soldado. What happened with the title of that movie? Some some production company got involved and went. No one knows that Soldado is the sequel to Sicario. We have to put Sicario in that title somewhere because it was Soldado for the longest time. And all of a sudden, they see the title is Soldado, Day of the Sicario. And I'm just like, what the Sicario, fuck? Day of the Soldado? Yeah. yeah. Or you can see what I think has the chance to be the worst movie of the year. It's got a very good shot. Very good shot. Uncle Drew. The Kyrie Irving old man basketball movie. Shaq dressed up as an old man. Bunch of people dressed up as an old man. <laughs> Nick Kroll is the bad guy. Yes. Yeah, it is a. I might watch it just so I can have it at number one of the year end list podcast. It's the worst movie of the year. I have a sneaking suspicion that this movie is not for us. <laughs> True. <laughs> Smart people. Uh. <laughs> It's a little complicated. <laughs> it's so nice when you've got clear edit points. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and say go see Sicario. It looks cool. That first movie was awesome. And this guy has a great track record of writing and now directing. Yeah. Wind, Wind River. Um, 
it's it's he directed Sicario. He directed uh, Wind River. He didn't direct. It. He wrote Sicario. Wrote Sicario. He wrote Hell or High Water. Directed by Stefano Salima. Nope, wrong guy. Then he wrote this movie. Did he write it? Who's the writer? Who's the Taylor Sheridan is the guy, right? Taylor Sheridan. I don't know. This guy who wrote Sicario. Yeah. yeah. I really thought he was directing this. Did I think he, he was at one point. Did yeah. he write it? He was going to do it. He directed Wood River and it was great. But I will say there's a comedy crime mystery thriller that came out last week uh, called Lobster Cop. <laughs> and um, we didn't talk about that last week. Well, I wasn't here, so it's a Chin- <laughs> I take no responsibility I see, for it. I think this is a Chinese film. And it says four police officers open up a lobster restaurant as a cover in order to catch a notorious drug dealer, only to find their secret recipe is more popular than they expected. Lobster cop. She reminds me of the lobster sketch in John Mulaney. <laughs> that sounds like a balderdash title. Right, lobster cop. Okay, I'm voting Sicario. Yeah, yeah. We'll go see, see Sicario the creative, team, the creative team may not be back, but you still have Josh Brolin and uh, um, Del Toro coming back. Gal Garcia Bernal is going to be in it. Yeah. It'll be smooth yeah. movie. <laughs> I mean, just don't go see Uncle Drew. That's my... Yeah. See Sicario. Yeah. yeah. I kind of want to see Uncle Drew a little bit. Well, I can't I watch, watch Uncle Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's, it's played over the top on purpose. Yeah. But, like... I can hope so. That everyone knows that... I hope they're not trying to play it straight. <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah. That ends this podcast. Thank you for listening to Talk and Talk podcast for the media by us.com. Join us on uh, Gmail if you want to email us. Join us on Gmail. <laughs> Have you heard of this new thing? Google's got mail. We'll send you an invite. It's yeah. invite only. We'll send you a uh, LinkedIn <laughs> hyperlink to join Twitter. We have a Twitter at themediabus.com. Visit our GeoCities page. We'll send you a uh, Instagram post telling you about our Facebook page. <laughs> We're going to boomerang you our Snapchat. We're going to WhatsApp you our Facebook groups. You will be in our top five on MySpace. <laughs> uh, you know what to do to help us. Please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, uh, and uh, comment on any of the stuff that we post or comment on any of the stuff that we read. <laughs> you know what we read. We are going to finish this podcast. <laughs> of this, I am confident. This is the first time I've done two podcasts in a day in like months. And this is just the first one. <gasps> Thanks, you guys, for being here. <laughs> Thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro music. That's Yay. right. Thanks Thank to Arifa for the outro music. Thanks for listening. Still. Bye, guys. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know.